Revelation 22. Oh, you know what? Let's begin at verse 7. Look. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, John the man who saw these great revelations while he was on the island of Patmos, who saw heaven opened, who, who saw a vision of what was going to come, of, of Jesus coming to return in, in justice and vengeance and joy for those who love Him. I, says John, I, John, am the one who heard and I saw all these things. He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus coming as the King. He's just heard Jesus say, Look, I'm coming soon. I, John, who heard and saw all these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, No, do not worship me. I am a servant of God just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. And then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. <coughs> Look. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshippers, all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, come. If anyone who hears this says, come, let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And, and I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are our God, that you are the source of our life. Lord, that, that we can do nothing without you. Lord, that we cannot produce fruit without you. But Lord, even more than that, that we cannot survive without you. 
What is man that you are mindful of us, Lord? The son of man that you care for us. You made us a little lower than the angels, and yet you crowned us with glory and honor. Oh, Lord Jesus, as we look at this passage about your coming, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts. Lord, there are people in this congregation this morning who have had the most wonderful of weeks. Lord, who are just on a high and who perhaps are saying the only thing that can go better is if Jesus came back. Lord, perhaps there are those who are on a high this week who say, I don't want this to end. Lord, perhaps there are people here who have had the most horrible of weeks who are just thinking that their only hope is your return. Lord, I pray that today as we consider you, our King, that you would open our eyes to you. Lord, I pray that the cry that we have heard three or four times in this short passage would be the cry of our own hearts. Lord, the cry of our lips, but also the cry of our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus. Make all things new. Amen. You'll notice the colors on the cross today. I realize you probably should know what they all mean. Um, Red, of course, is the the blood of Christ by which we are saved. White, the purity, the new life. Uh, Even in our passage today, it speaks of our robes being washed. um, Washed in the blood of the Lamb, we're told. Um, A bit early in Revelation. Yellow stands for heaven, the streets of gold. The kingdom that's going to come on earth. Um, Heaven on earth is going to be fantastic. Green, new life. I am making all things new. And of course... It's draped on the cross of Jesus because it's on the cross that all of this is founded and based. On the cross that everything, everything is possible on the cross. Isn't that just one of your favorite passages? Revelations chapter 22. What a great way to finish our canon. What a great way to finish. Come, Lord Jesus, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Amazing. You know, the, the early church, um, in the first couple of hundred years, they, they would have communion together quite regularly. And at the end of communion, they would say, Maranatha. Maranatha. Or Maranatha, depending on how you pronounce it. Maranatha. Our Lord This was, for them, the conclusion to the Lord's Supper. This was the the highlight, the climax of the worship service. Not leaving here with with our hearts strangely thrilled, but, but leaving here with our hearts thrilled at the thought that Jesus is coming and, Oh Lord, come! Please come, please return. Please return, Lord. Because they knew that although Jesus was spiritually present, and, and don't we know the same, that He is here, He promised where two or three are gathered, I am right there in your midst, and, and isn't it fantastic that Jesus is with us, but, but won't it be so much better when Jesus will be physically here with us? 
Wouldn't it be fantastic one day to be able to sit down next to Jesus and to give Him a hug maybe? Wouldn't it be brilliant? Aren't, aren't you, I know we shouldn't be jealous, but aren't you slightly jealous of the, of the apostles and those early disciples who, who got to hang out with Jesus? The only reason we shouldn't be jealous is that Jesus is coming back and we are going to get to hang out with Jesus. We're going to get to hang out with the Father. And, and, and really, as Revelation finishes, this, this hope to which we are called, the hope of eternity, and what is eternity? Jesus Himself said, this is eternal life. In, I think, John chapter 6 or 7. This is eternal life, to know the Father and to know the one that the Father has sent, to know me. This is what we are hoping for. This is what our Christian faith is all about, the fact that Jesus is coming back. And Paul says in Corinthians that if Jesus is not coming back, if He has not been raised from the dead, and if He has not been raised from the dead, He can't come back. If Jesus is not coming back, if He is not alive, then what we are hoping in is a sham, and we are to be pitied more than any other people. But He is coming back. And He has promised it here in Revelation, not least of all. I am coming soon. And you know what I love about this section? It's not just a single, I am coming soon. It's, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Come. Yeah, I'm coming soon. This is a repeated building emphasis in the last little bit of Revelation of, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Hey! Jesus is coming. Amen. Fantastic. But if Jesus is coming, the question is, what does that mean now? How do we live our lives today if Jesus is coming back? Well, we begin here. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in these books, in this book. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. You see what Jesus is saying there? He says, I'm coming back. Blessed or happy are those who obey and who actually do what I've said. In fact, if we read through the book of Revelation, it's, it's the most wonderful or the most horrific book ever written. And the difference lies in our relationship to Jesus. If we are those who, who seek to do what He tells us, if we are those who seek to follow Him, to be His disciples, followers of Jesus not just listening to what He says, but actually doing it. Then when He comes back, it'll be such a time of joy and excitement. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been supposed to do something, maybe at work, and you're supposed to be doing something, and you're not doing it, and you haven't done it, and then your boss comes in and says to you, Hello, how are things going? 
bit awkward if, you, if you've been twiddling your thumbs all day going, yeah, I've got a cushy job. Jesus says, I'm coming back. Let's get busy doing, doing what he has told us to do. So we should be perfect, of course, and everyone doing lots of hard work, I'm sure. I love what happens next, because here is John, here is, here is a disciple of Jesus. Here is a man who has walked with Jesus, he's followed Jesus, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Here's a man who has just seen the most amazing revelation on the island of Patmos. Here is a man who knows what it is to follow Jesus, who knows that Jesus alone is God. Now what do we see in verse 8? Jesus says, blessed are those who obey what I teach. And John says, fantastic, what an angel. Starts worshipping an angel. Here is the man who you'd think would get it right. You don't worship angels, but, but he doesn't. He's not perfect, old John. And I, I love that, that juxtaposition of do what Jesus says and failing to do it straight away. Not an excuse to fail, but, but a comfort to us. Even John got it wrong. And the angel says to him, John, you know better than this. Only God is to be worshipped. I'm just a creature. I'm just a creature. We will make mistakes as we try to follow God. The wonderful thing is that God doesn't hold our mistakes against us because of Jesus. But look what happens there in verse 10 and 11. The angel turns to John, who's now back on his feet, and he says, John, all the stuff that you've written down, don't seal it up. Don't seal it up. I think it was Daniel who also got a prophecy, and he had to seal it up the time wasn't yet ready. John, on the other hand, has received this prophecy and he's told, do not seal it up. Why? Because the time is near. In other words, John, what you've seen, this, this message that Jesus is coming back in judgment and in love to redeem His people and to make all things new, John, tell it to the world. Tell everyone they need to know that Jesus is coming back soon. And John, do it now because the time is so close. The time is so close, John, that, that, that even, it's, it's like, like, as it is now is how it's going to be at the end, and, and there's going to be people who are vile, and they're just going to be vile at the end, and there's going to be people who are holy, and they're going to be holy at the end, and, and, and John, it's so close that, that you might as well take a snapshot of, society, snapshot of society now, and that's what it'll look like when Jesus comes back. As it is now, so it will be when Jesus returns. That's what verse 11 is all about. And the point is that the point is that when Jesus returns, there will be no time to say, Right now, I'll get ready. Jesus is coming too quickly for that. 
says the angel to John. He says, tell everyone he's coming because he's coming now. And there is still a chance for repentance until that time, but, but the time is short, and it's shorter now than it was then. Jesus again says in verse 12, Look, I'm coming soon. I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all those, all people, according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus says, I am coming soon. And when I come, I will bring my reward for all people according to what they have done. And yet our robes, our richest robes, are as filthy rags. What we're talking about here is not the reward of getting into heaven. What we're talking about is not the reward of being with Jesus. What we're talking here is not about the reward of eternity. Nowhere in the Bible do we, learn, do we read that we can get into eternity by what we do. And yet Jesus says, when I come, I will bring my reward for all people according to what they have done. Jesus said elsewhere that, that when He returns, we will be tested. And the work that we have done will be tested. Blessed are those who wash their robes, for they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and to eat from the fruit of the tree of life. The reason... The reason Jesus says, blessed are those who have washed their clothes, is that our clothes need to be washed. If you go back in Revelations, I think it's Revelation chapter 7, we see the picture of the saints who have been martyred and their clothes have been washed and they're waiting. But if we look here, and, and I'm sorry to tell you a bit of Greek, but there is a bit of Greek here. The, the word to wash there is in the present participle. I think that's right. Um, which basically means it's, it's something that has to be continually done. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, blessed are those who are continually washing their robes. Blessed are those who are continually being made clean. And yes, we are, we are forgiven 100% in Jesus Christ. We have been saved, we have been washed from our sins once and for all, but, but isn't it so true that on a daily basis, we, we step in a puddle and we squish mud against our, against our pants? 
Isn't it true that we, we, we just do things? Do things where we fail Christ. And so Jesus says, blessed are those who continually come to me and say, Jesus, I'm not like you are. I'm not yet perfect. And, and I'm longing for the day when you come. And, and when you come, I want to be able to stand in your presence. One John. John says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we spend time with Jesus, if, if we continually go to Him, He keeps us. He keeps us. You remember at the Last Supper, Jesus was there and He was wanting to wash the feet of His disciples. And Peter, my favorite, turned to Jesus and said, Not on your life, Jesus. You do not wash me. <laughs> I should be washing you. Do you remember Jesus' reply? He said, Peter, basically, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I need to wash you. And he went on to say, You're clean. You're clean. You've been with me but your feet need washing because of the walk that you've had today. We are clean when we return to, well, not when we return, when Jesus returns. He will give us a robe of righteousness, a white robe, uh, and, and we will stand before Him unashamed and, and beautiful in His sight. But until that day, until that day, we need to continually be going to Him and saying, Jesus, I want to wear that white robe. And there's a splotch there from the gravy at lunch. And there's a splotch there from the time when I, when I was rude to so-and-so. To and there's a time there when I cared more for myself than for you. And there's, there's a time there where I cared more for my pleasure than for those of, of the others in the church, in the congregation, in the world. Jesus, wash my robes. Again and again and again. Because when you come, I want to be wearing the right clothes and I want you to look at me and I want you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want the reward. I want the reward for doing what you have asked me to do. Can you imagine going to a reward ceremony wearing filthy clothes? Can you imagine going to a wedding wearing filthy clothes? Do you remember the parable that Jesus told of, of the, the king who had this wedding banquet for his son and he invited everyone and they wouldn't come but and then he sent and got people from all over, anyone invited to come along and, and they were having a party and he was walking through the party going, hello, great to have you here. And there was one man dressed in rags and, and the king looked at him and said, friend, why are you not wearing your wedding clothes? Out. Do you know what the great thing is? The wedding clothes are free. 
Wedding clothes are free. We just have to say, Lord, I want them. I want to be clean. I want to be clean and I want to come to the wedding. I want to come to your return, to the celebration. Jesus is coming soon. He says, I am the the root of David. I am the source of David. I am the offspring of David. I am the source of David. I am the bright morning star. Numbers 24.17, a prophecy, I believe it's Balaam's prophecy, it says, a star will rise, will come out of Jacob. In fact, at the beginning of Revelation, Jesus says that he will give the morning star to all the churches, to everyone who overcomes. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.19 that that the day of Jesus' return happens when the morning star rises in our hearts. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the bright morning star? He, he means that he is, the, he is the start of something new. Have you ever woken up really early and seen the morning star? And when the morning star is rising, you know that the day is soon there. Jesus says, I am the bright morning star. And the perfect day of the Lord is about to come. And the star is already shining. And, and I just love the response. The Spirit and the bride, the Spirit and the church say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. And every believer responds and says, Come, Lord Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 20, Yeah, you bet I'm coming. Yes, I'm coming soon. Do you know what? What I love about verse 17 there is its double-edgedness. The Spirit and the Bride, the church prompted by God's powerful presence, His Spirit says, come Lord Jesus, but at the same time as saying, come Lord Jesus, they're turning to the world and saying, come, Jesus is coming. Come Lord Jesus, come. Come Lord, come. Come Lord Jesus, come. Let all who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who wishes, come and drink. Let everyone who desires satiation, come. Come Lord Jesus and come because He's coming. Come and take the water. Come and, come and be ready. Come and have the clothes that are washed. Come and learn about Jesus. Come and follow Him. Come because He's coming and it's going to be fantastic. And, and, and frankly, it's, it's better to be ready for His coming than not. Come. I wonder though, Honestly, don't put your hands up, but, but think for yourselves. Have you ever been at a stage in your life, perhaps even now, where you don't really want to say, come Lord Jesus? Looking at me going, What?
not every Christian today feels comfortable saying, Come, Lord Jesus. Suffering Christians, they know to pray it. Come, Lord Jesus, because we just need you to come. Because this world is so broken. Come. And perhaps we in our affluent Western worlds will say it, but do we really mean it? This world we live in is so comfortable, isn't it? God has blessed us so much and, and He's given us so many good gifts. Come, Lord Jesus, just wait until I take delivery of my new car. myself. Personal admission. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only one who thought this. And I had to think through this a couple of months back. Come, Lord Jesus! Just after the 1st of February. <laughs> and you know what? God has given us so many good gifts. And we can love these good gifts. and It's not wrong to do so, but but I think if Revelation teaches us something, it's that we need to question where our yearning is. What do we most yearn for? If we yearn for the gift more than for the giver, we're missing out. You know what? If God is able to give us so many good gifts, what will it be like when we stand before Him face to face? We were driving through New Zealand and we were looking at just the amazing creation. And just around every corner you go, wow, God, you're amazing. How on, This is just incredible. And part of the way through... Taryn and I turned to each other and we said, you know what? You remember that Romans passage where it says that all creation is groaning and waiting for the revelation of the children of God and it's subject to bondage and decay? You know what? If this is bondage and decay, what on earth is the new creation going to be like? If God gives us good gifts now, what on earth is it going to be like when we are with Him for all eternity? And perhaps if we are not, if we're not desperately crying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Perhaps we need to ask God to, to give us a yearning for Himself. Perhaps we need to assess, are we too attached to this world? Because you know, Jesus is coming back soon. And this wonderful world will disappear. And this horrible world 
will disappear. And Jesus will gather his children, all those who love him. And he will dress us in the finest white robes. We will be made to be like him. And I don't know, but I'd like to imagine him turning to us and saying, I told you I was coming. I'm here. And the trumpet will sound. Father, thank you that you are coming. Father, thank you that you are going to make your dwelling on earth. Thank you that you sent your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come that you have shown God to us, that you have done everything that we need to live a holy and righteous life now. Lord, thank you that you have rescued us from, from our old sinful selves and have made us new in yourself. And Lord, we just... Oh, Jesus, come. And Lord, I pray that this would be the waking and sleeping yearning of our souls and our hearts. Lord, there are people in our congregation who, who long for you to come because this life is wearisome to them. I pray that you would give joy to them now. Lord, that they would know the happiness of those who love you and who obey you. You said, Lord Jesus, blessed and happy are those who obey you and follow you. Lord, for those of us for whom perhaps this world is, is very alluring and tempting in that it distracts us from longing for you, I pray that you would instill within us a desperate desire for your presence. Lord Jesus, we know that you are here with us, but we long to know you more. We long to experience you more. Father, we long to, to stand before your throne. We long to see Jesus there with the nail-scarred hands holding them out to us and saying, welcome back. Well, well, not welcome back, but welcome home. Oh, Lord, may we be a people with our eyes and our hope set on your return. Amen. This is our hope. I want to share with you something that I heard uh, while we were in church in New Zealand. Hope is faith standing on tippy toes. Let's stand on tippy toes. Not now, but <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> Unless Anna Marie says stand on tippy toes. hearts are out loud and that hope I think also means earnestly expect doesn't it mm. we have a lot to earnestly expect so if you have something in your heart that you want to pray for and you want to um, 
others to say amen to that, then uh, let's just have a time now of prayer. So I throw that word.